0: Welcome to Episodes. I am Jimmy Bowens, the head of English here at EP, and I am joined by Irini Christopoulos. And this is the fifth and final part in our loving literature with Jimmy and Irini, our little mini series here for all of those English literature teachers or anybody who likes to read books and Mm -hmm. and loves texts. If you're just joining this, I highly recommend going back and listening to uh, shows one, two, three and four. Um, But you are welcome to stay around this episode. Irini, what is what is this one called?
1: Texts that we love to hate to teach.
0: What a great title. I'm sure there are many we could talk about, but. (laughs) (laughs) As an English teacher, you know, we, uh, yeah, you do have to get through some of the, some of the prescribed ones and some Mm -hmm. of the ones that I, and I suppose the idea here is that the ones where you, you end up teaching again and again and again, yes, uh, you form somewhat of a relationship with them, I Mm -hmm. guess. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, what were some of the other ones that like, not besides the one you've written here, where there's some things that you, you, you never got tired of teaching? as
1: the listeners would know if they'd heard the other episodes, I never get sick of teaching Shakespeare. Never. Yeah. Every time uh, I teach a text, and I know there are quite a lot of teachers who are absolutely sick of teaching Romeo and Juliet, for yeah. example. Um, I adore it, and I feel that Shakespeare is just, the, his plays offer a new perspective. And if you know the group of students that you're working with, well enough, you can adjust the way you teach it to suit yeah, them yeah. with that perspective. So I remember the first time that I taught the text um, teaching at a co-ed school, we had
0: a few little budding, you know, romances,
1: but a few budding romances. So we, uh, we focused on, you know, the aspect of, of love and of, you know, a young relationship and of two young people who were just, you know, crazy fueled by their emotions Yeah. I had a group a few years later who were a little bit rebellious. Uh, they were, you know, a bit anti-authority. We'd we'd had, you know, had quite a lot of issues with a few disengaged kids in that class, and I knew that I had to take the, you know, the kind of rebellious, anti-authoritarian, uh, the two feuding families, the the real sort of issue that Romeo and Juliet came from these feuding families, and how could they possibly defy? Their families yeah. uh, and and you know fall in love with each other and and they loved that and I I adore that element of Shakespeare so I don't think you could ever get sick of
0: teaching yeah there's it's I mean there's just so much on offer with mm, the Shakespeare exactly. text so many a lot more than just a just a story the mm. philosophy the I I remember having to well you know I, I I I was very lucky as an English teacher I don't think I ever was forced to teach anything but I guess there was expectation with Shakespeare but Mm -hmm. I never felt any there was no problem with that Um, for sure the text I'm going to talk about today I it was more about the students demand and their and what worked (laughs) that annoyed me and so I loved to not like teaching it but I had to I it just worked so (laughs) is it a text
1: that if you hadn't taught it you would possibly have liked it is and and because you had to teach it you probably ended up hating it oh good question
0: you know young adult fiction <laughs> is uh so good for young adults yes yeah <laughs> i i think i i think i struggle with it myself as as a reader now because um my experience as a teacher with young people I've had very authentic experiences with real young people who I consider, I have a reverence for the for the the things they go through, you mm-hmm. know? And I remember being a young person as well. I find a lot of the young adult characters, and this is completely my own limited uh, view right now, I don't feel like they represent some of the young people I have encountered. Sure. I, I think the majority of the young people I've encountered just have A much a less less cut and dry story. Sure. So it's rare you get a young adult protagonist in a young adult fiction book or text that has the untidiness and the grittiness and the the faults. Mm. They tend to be a bit extreme. I don't know. So I, I, that's my relationship with, with it. And I guess that's just, I I'm that's an old a... <laughs> grumpy guy that can't relate to the young folk, I guess.
1: I, I think that's a great uh, introduction to your text, because yes. I'm, I'm very curious to know which young adult fiction text has irked you this much.
0: <laughs> well, really, the text that I love to hate to teach. Should I drum roll this? Is The Hunger Games. Oh.
1: How could you hate the Hunger Games? Okay, R- for, rationalize start. this okay. for me, please. Let's
0: start with the title. Okay, the Hunger <laughs> Games. I just straight away it just annoys me. Okay, the Hunger Games.
1: Okay, what what exactly is it about the structure of of I those just, words? I
0: just, to me, it doesn't start off well when I'm when I think about that title, the Hunger Games. You know, because I worked as a literacy coordinator, so I would often talk about prior knowledge and, you know, getting teachers to, or getting students to activate their minds with just titles or mm-hmm. images and books. And what do you think this is going to be about and stuff? Mm-hmm. And I just don't like the way it's titled, Hunger Games. I just think about hungry people playing games <laughs> and
1: it's hard. Does it need a subtitle? Is that the issue? Well, yeah, like...
0: but don't get me started on the subtitles. Okay. They're worse. Okay. <laughs> they just make, they're so... Anyway, the hunger, the hung- so then you have to make a leap from the title Hunger Games, you know, hungry people or hunger playing into a dystopian, ultra violent, like bloodthirsty plot line mm-hmm. <laughs> narrative. And uh, it's like, oh, hunger playing games. Oh, wait, death, destruction, killing each other horrific reality of these people. So anyway, that's, that's the start of it. But let me admit that students loved it. So I would, I would read aloud a lot to my, to my students. And this reads aloud very well because it has a lot of tropes that they're Hollywood Mm -hmm. tropes, really. You know, it's, you know, you can tell when you read a book that it's written in the hope it will be a movie. <laughs> mm, yep. If not, the deal for the movie was already made before the book is finished. I'm not True. sure of the facts in this case, but I get a sense there was, that was the goal, you know. Mm. And when you read The Hunger Games out loud, it is just cliffhanger. It's quite cinematic. Uh, it's very cinematic. Yeah. And it's if you enjoy reading loud, which I do, and you're with the class, they go quiet and they get sucked into it. And it's fantastic that way, right? but after teaching it year after year after year you start to find faults with the dialogue and the characters and okay. the scenes and so for me i just i just got very annoyed with katniss everdeen and her <laughs> behavior and her dialogue and
1: what exactly is it about her behavior that has frustrated you is it her relationship with are the characters is it that she's effectively this kind of martyr is it that she is it what she represents or is it just the way that she's portrayed like her characterization
0: it just it's such the hero's story
1: but isn't it nice to have a female that's hero fantastic okay
0: don't get me wrong that's fantastic and i appreciate the power the character has in mm. general and in pop culture, I think that's wonderful. But when you teach the book so often, uh, you come across behaviors of the character that just are unbelievable. Mm. And I I think if there's more time taken to put some real realistic flaws, like there's very, she doesn't hesitate very often. Mm. She's so Naturally heroic, yeah, and uh, sacrifices, like you said, you know, it's just it's like it just comes naturally to her. And I, I I would love to see a bit more weakness. Sure,
1: I mean, I I would argue that later in the series we start to see her deeply, like question, like have a bit of that That's existential true. crisis. Yes. What I will add, though, that if we're talking about why Katniss Everdeen is annoying. Is there's a love interest in the story? Yeah, that's what really frustrates me. I feel like if you're going to have this larger than life female heroine, does she really have to have a weakness for boys?
0: Thank you for bringing this up.
1: I, this that, that is the next me. thing
0: that I really find myself getting annoyed by. It's like the intention is so great here. Yeah. Right.
1: The stakes are very high. It's she's she's strong, effectively
0: confident, independent. Yeah. Uh, warrior female, yep. really positive message. And you just have to throw in. And it's, it's a, it's a lo- love triangle as well. Yeah. So it's yeah. not just a, a savior romance. And I get those weakness in those male characters. And I, there was a sort of, there's an attempt to have her still as the, you know, the elevated domineering. Yep. But it, like you said, I, it, it just ruins it for me.
1: Yeah, I. It's just such a. It's such a fantastic opportunity, particularly, I guess, like the political elements of the plot that she's trying to bring down this capitalist society, and she's the figurehead for this movement. Yeah, there's so much in there to unpack. I, I feel like it's undermined by the love, the love yes. plot, because in, inevitably, like she could be made to be a more, like a deeper and more complex character through her thoughts and actions when it comes to her role within mm. this society. But it's almost like she's distracted by the love triangle. Yeah, it's, and, a, and it's an unnecessary
0: Hollywood additive, right? Yeah. When, I, when I was teaching, I would teach the seniors a few times, 1984. Mm-hmm. So dystopian fiction, like you, I really love dystopian fiction. Mm. 1984 is a fantastic example, regardless of the sex of the protagonist. Mm. It's a fantastic example of a protagonist that you might not like. Yeah. And there's such a flaw there, but also becomes a representation of a movement against something. Mm. Ultimately, if I'm sure everyone knows the ending of that yeah. story. It's not it doesn't work out very well for a poor uh, Winston, is it? Yeah. Uh, but in this, in The Hunger Games, I, you, you want her, I felt, to just yeah, like ignore that. Yeah. Get on with the jump. Get on with the jump. <laughs> ignore that and be the defy the young adults' expectations. Cause it's very easy to like a romance. Yeah. And I think young people do enjoy it and that's fine. But showing them that there are in this in this case, there yeah. are there can be bigger things than your romantic uh, life. I get it. Tina, that's a big deal. But I just think this character suffers for that. And there could be so much more to her in her rejecting that and moving past it, not killing them or, yeah. <laughs> or letting them die, maybe, but not focus so much on it. It does become a really big part of her of her journey.
1: I'm I'm curious then. Have you seen the Hunger Games films?
0: Yes, I have.
1: Okay. I found it to be I mean, because I read the Harry Potter series, um, and and I was of that generation that when they announced that the films were going to be created, I was all I could think about was who will play Hermione. And and I had this very clear picture of Hermione in my head. And then when I saw Emma Watson was cast, I was smitten. Like she encompassed everything that I really loved about yes. Hermione. Yeah. So I'm curious, like the way that that Katniss is characterized in the novel. Is that improved for you by Jennifer Lawrence's performance of Katniss in the films, or does that just kind of solidify for Uh, you what you
0: already expected from Katniss? I just couldn't get past it because I had spent so much time with that character, uh, with my students teaching it. And the thing is, look, I could hear in the back of my head, you know, okay, Boomer, like (laughs) Uh, You don't, you know, you don't have... (laughs) You're just an old,
1: angry man who doesn't like
0: this book. I'm happy to take that on the chin. Um, All I'm saying here is that through teaching this character in the context of an English class, where Mm -hmm. you're also presenting students with um, other contemporary literature that is much closer to... uh, a the darkness that reality offers their, them and their lives and the glimpses they have of, of real issues. I think for a dystopian novel to work really well, I, I just feel there's some literature rules. Okay. And th- that the romantic elements of this and her flawless her- heroism, and I know that it, maybe that's a bit extreme, maybe it's not flawless, but I, I certainly got that impression. I think they are breaking these rules a little bit. Sure. Um, for me in teaching that. And I, I just got annoyed with it. And It's my opinion, you know, I've, <laughs> I know that it won't be shared. But yeah, that was a text that I, I loved to hate to teach, but I still taught it because it was effective and the kids loved it and they read it. And that's mostly what you want from a novel yeah, study in school. Yeah, that's
1: a big achievement for a lot of students.
0: What about you?
1: Uh teachers will hate me for this.
0: <laughs> I know. I mean, we've probably lost half our listeners now since they're I've done. been bagging on the they're Hunger Games. So they're not coming back. Like, yeah, no. Nope. Sorry,
1: <laughs> no. <Nope. laughs> Who are these
0: people? You had us with like. You had us with
1: Plath. You, <laughs> you, <laughs> you had us with Portrait of an Artist. You had us with You And lost with Hunger game!
0: But you had to go and bag on Katniss Everdeen. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry.
1: <laughs> Attack someone your own size. Um,
0: oh, she would beat the crap out of me. Probably. She
1: probably would.
0: I would not survive a day in that Hunger Games. I'd be you... like, "Where's the macers?" And I will kill every one of you if I don't get a burger in the next ten minutes. <laughs> so maybe I would win. Actually, what are the rules, you guys? Got...
1: <laughs> I I I don't know. I don't think I could. As much as I I want to admit that I I'd, I'd be you know so anti the capital. The capital kind of seems. It was pretty cool. It's it's kind of. It's kind of great. And then to be fair, like we, our lives right now are so, you know, if you live in a suburban place, you are basically in the capital. It's
0: such an obvious uh, It is. It analogy, is a parallel, yeah, to our... I, you just made me think, though. Sorry, we we need to get on to your text. that am trying related, to hide it, but that, Can you see? I'm, I'm yes, like, I can. I know. And I see, I can see what just, the text is and you're in for it. You're going to save me because of how how bad this is going to go for you. But the the thing about... With, with, there was a few other female characters, right? Yeah. There's some very vulnerable. But there is another badass character, mm. female character, a bit too extreme and uh, bad and evil. What was her name? I
1: Effie? Miss Effie?
0: Maybe, yeah. The one with the big wig? No, no, no. In The, in the Hunger Games. Oh,
1: in The Hunger Games. Um... What
0: was... Minor character, but I would love if someone, some fan fiction authors out there, took... Some of these other minor characters in the Hunger Games and rewrites it from their perspective. Oh,
1: I love it. Anyway.
0: Yeah. Good luck with this. <laughs> A okay. beloved. Okay. Even more okay. beloved than okay. the Hunger Games.
1: I'm okay. I, I want to preface this by saying, I'm sorry. I'm really, really sorry. But <laughs> <laughs> the text that I love hate to teach is Billy Elliot.
0: <laughs> OMG.
1: That's how it, can you
0: hate Billy Elliot.
1: So, hear me out. I have taught Billy Elliot numerous times, and we're talking about the the film here. Okay, um,
0: okay. This is the film the you're film. talking
1: about. Uh, the reason I think I, I I started hating to teach it was because I had read so many student responses that yes, quoted you know the same lines from the film and gave the same interpretation of this being a film about a little boy who wants to become a ballet dancer and that you know his dad doesn't you know love him and um you know t- trying to sort of read very deeply into the um the storyline of of Billy uh and you know his relationship with his best friend Michael the more I taught it and the more I understood about the political context of, of England at the time and Margaret Thatcher as yeah. a prime minister and, you know, the separation between the blue collar and the white collar uh, yeah. and that amazing, you know, power of, of striking and and what it meant um, to to have strikes that were, you know, that shut down the country, um, yeah. and 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 seeing this footage of these riots where police were were trying to protect themselves, I am I have to admit I am a little bit sad that I have not had the opportunity to teach Billy Elliot in the current context where we've got the you know we've got the context in America um, with the Black Lives Matter yeah protests because. I think in this day and age, there's, there, there's a lot of merit to, to framing, using Billy Elliot to frame that idea of, of protesting and of, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, for us versus sure. them. But it just, no matter how I framed it, students would just, I felt even, you know, 17, 18 year olds couldn't grasp the, the um, importance of that context. And so mm. inevitably, they would watch it, and for them, it was only ever going to be a film about this little boy who
0: so happens to like dancing. Distracted them too much from the political, yeah, setting.
1: Yeah, the boxing gloves and the ballet shoes, and not un- like not being able to properly justify why that's a significant juxtaposition. And the 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 same line, like you know, dancing is for poofs. Like it's just, it's. I, I feel like it's a text. It's too mature. It's just too mature <laughs> wow. for the audience that it's designed to be taught for, which is you know year eleven and twelve students. And and I sort of feel this way about a Midsummer Night's Dream being taught to to year eight students. Yeah, like it's actually got quite a few mature themes that you need to understand in order to get the humor and to really understand what the the allure is for that conflict in the relationships yeah. and it really just gets taught as like the play with fairies and a donkey. And that's not, that's not what it's supposed to be.
0: You're making a case for cross-curricular learning.
1: I hope so. Because I, I mean, I'm tr- let's try to get our listeners back because I'm sure they hate me for, for saying that I died t- to teach oh, really yeah, earlier. Yeah. Look, let me, let me in closing um, to plead my case here. I love the film. I just hate that inevitably, the way that it it the time and the context and the way that it needs to be taught means that students, for the most part, do not understand it the way it should be understood. And, and
0: is it because of the, the the way the character is, or the way they're written?
1: I, in your opinion, I don't think so. I just think that um, as a text, there's not enough time in the syllabus and the the students have to produce an essay. I mean, in, in New South Wales anyway, they have to produce an essay on this text. I feel like this text is a prime example of a text that needs, uh, it needs to be the core of a, a module that could take an entire term or yep. more. Yep. It is also a prime text as a comparative study. I mm. feel like it would be better understood if you could pair it up with, Protest poetry or you know or yeah uh,
0: this is the thing though right yeah. like, this is what we have to uh, push for in in our curriculum is we need help as teachers, we need somebody to come in and connect the departments in a school together, yeah or you know we obviously we want to do it ourselves, but if let's say you're teaching billyette and you're like oh they, there's not there's not enough time to go into this, so you talk to the humanities department and you say, oh, look, brilliant! are you studying protests and you know civil rights? Are you studying workers' rights? Well, let's connect the dots here. You do that project before we do this project yep. or around the same time. Mm. And then whatever other subjects would have relevancy to this oh, as a theme.
1: Legal studies, you know, looking at unions and like economics. worker rights, ec- economics. Of course. Um, and drama. And <laughs> drama. Drama and dance. Like the, the ability for, you know, someone to... Become lost
0: in look, performance. I think I could learn to love Katniss Everdeen if only the other departments would come to the table <laughs> and share. It's a bit of an ultimatum.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Help me, other departments.
0: <laughs> look, yeah. I look. Anyway, obviously, we're not. We. I. I think secretly we both understand these are great. They are effective texts.
1: They are but, in their own right.
0: But the, they present struggles in teaching, which highlight. The limitations of modern pedagogy mm. under the bureaucratic <laughs> administrations that we work for. Although you and I aren't teachers anymore, so. no.
1: But we, we hope that we we still you know have a voice for teachers. Yeah, look,
0: and I think there's, there's some there's some legs to this concept of texts we love to hate to teach. Mm. This might be much better articulated by our listeners.
1: I would love to to hear the texts.
0: Get on the Facebook group. Please EP Global English Teachers Facebook group and tell us about the texts you love to hate to teach. Uh,
1: no matter how controversial, I I yeah. want to feel better about my
0: choice. So Me too. Yeah. Please be honest. <laughs> feel bad, but honesty is the best policy. And uh, that that's a wrap, Irini Christopoulos. It's Thank been you, an absolute joy listening to your stories and Likewise. understanding the the time and place where these incredible. Uh, pieces of literature impacted you and i've really enjoyed telling my stories too and i i let's see what the listeners say would you like to hear more of this i would love to do another another series of this
1: i would love some topics for us to talk about as you listen to each of the episodes in turn uh it would be fantastic to to get some topics that you would love to um share your own opinions on that we could talk about as well uh we yeah we've we've just kind of rambled through several episodes on literature that we love, but uh, I, I love There's this so this idea more. that we could I, rant I, yeah, about something I know I don't um, know if people
0: want to hear us but I want to talk about <laughs> literature and books that I love and that's it and I know you do too. So yes, thank you. wonderful episodes will be back uh, as normal with other guest speakers and talkers and educators and please do subscribe.
1: If you'd like to feature.
0: If you would um, like to feature, yeah, you can get in touch. Please let us know. Anyway, thank you, Irini. Thank you, Jimmy. And goodbye from us. Bye. Thank you for listening to the episodes podcast. We really appreciate if You could press subscribe on your service of choice and share the link with your colleagues and friends, uh, anyone who you think would enjoy listening to educators and topics around ed tech and different subjects. If you haven't already, please do join the LinkedIn group, Teaching and Learning in the Digital Age, and get in touch with us at www.educationperfect.com if you would like to register for EP or suggest topics for the podcast. Thank you very much. Go well, keep learning, stay happy.